Cavs were up. Cavs were down. Three one at that point, right? Didn't they have? A, was they have? Did they ever trail trail three one? Okay, yeah, they they were down three one. They might have. Let's just say they were down three one, right? So at this point, time, I don't have a ticket to get to Cleveland yet. A plane ticket. I don't have a hotel or anything for Cleveland. So the game's over, right? Because it was a close game. Game whatever it was. I guess it would have been game five was close. So mm-hmm. game five was close, and all you see is all the media people. On the jump, on on with their on, on with whatever their their travel people booking flights, and I remember distinctly saying, "All right, y'all need a flight." And lady said, "All right, um, this flight is eight hundred dollars." Okay, charge that thing. It ain't my money. So I actually released part of this episode a few weeks ago. We recorded this a week before the presidential election, and. There was some very important information as my guest on today's episode, John Gervais Jr. urged people to get out and vote. He also discussed his role as a black man in news editing today. So you've heard some parts of this, but I'm going to leave that part in here in case you haven't. John and I worked together at ESPN and he's had a tremendous career. We never worked on the same project he was more seasoned and and you know further along in his career than i was but us being black men both into sports obviously we came together you know a few mutual friends introduced us to each other so we discuss his career he talks about one of the things that i want people to really listen to was his experience with traveling during the sports uh, big events he talks about the nba finals and the super bowl so i know a lot of my audience wants to get want to get into sports and they would like to know what it's like he gives you the real side of it so ladies and gentlemen without further ado here is my conversation with my bro john gervais jr all right ladies and gentlemen on the line I got a good brother of mine. I used to work with ESPN. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be honest. He was like one of my OGs for real. Somebody that I learned a lot from, whether it was on the basketball court or in the production lab. And that's the one and only Mr. John Gervais Jr. John, what up, bro? What's up, bro? Thank you for having me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm blessed and honored to be in, in your presence and for you to call me an OG. Uh, <laughs> makes me realize I am about to turn forty. Um, so I appreciate that, bro. Hey, man, I appreciate you. You know, uh, I always look at OG as a term of endearment. Uh, you know, uh, I remember NABJ 17 in New Orleans. I was with a lot of the Morgan State students and it was my second full conference. And they started looking at me like the OG. I'm like, wait a minute. I was just I was like, you know, time flies so fast, man. But how you been? Um, I'm good, man. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm alive. Um, my family's healthy. Uh, you know, I'm employed and, you know, I, I wake up every day, man. And just, you know, happy that I'm still, even though it's 2020, I'm just, you know, I'm just happy to still be here, man. I'm happy to be in the building. Yeah. Now you went to the real HU as they call yeah. it. And that is Hampton. Why did, were you always focused on going to an HBCU for college or how did it come about? Wow. Um, no, 
Um, so I went to um, a really dope high school in Philadelphia. Um, to me, it's the best in, in the entire city. Um, uh, St. Joe's Prep. Uh, many of many many people know of St. Joe's Prep for the football team. They're always nationally ranked in the country. Uh, you know, DeAndre Swift in the league right now, tearing it up. You know, shout out to him. Um, but um, I rem- I was a part of a program called the A4 program, which was the African American Alumni Association at St. Joe's Prep. And they took us on a, a ton of tours, uh, visiting all these HBCUs and so forth and so forth. Um, and I'll never forget the conversation I had with my parents about selecting a college. I always wanted to go to Duke. Um, full honesty, I was too nervous to apply to Duke because I, I love Duke so much. I did not want to get denied and then have my love for Duke be jaded by the fact they didn't let me in the, in the building. Um, but I was at a restaurant with my parents and they were talking to me about an HBCU and they were like, yo, you should look into HBCUs. And I remember specifically telling my parents, yo, I don't want to go to an all black school. Why would I want to do that? Right. Um, now, this time I'm going to all boy high school. Um, we go on a tour. Bruh, when I tell you that I was on that campus for every bit of five minutes and I was like, yeah, I could do this. Board that took us around said it was 13 to one was the ratio. Now I'm coming from an all boy high school. You know what I mean? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in my prime, right? Everything is, you know, everything for me. And um, I lost my mind, man. So um, it came down for me um, between Hampton and um, North Carolina Central. Um, and truth be told, I wanted to go to North Carolina Central more than I wanted to go to Hampton. Uh, so I visited both campuses with my parents. And my mom saw North Carolina Central's campus. And like that other HU, how it's a dope campus, but across the street, it ain't so dope. Mm-hmm. Um, North Carolina Central was worse at that point in time. Now, this is back in 99, you know, so no disrespect. I don't know what it looks like now. Um, but my mom was just like, nah, this ain't it. Like, look, you know, you you grown, you're making your decision, but um, nah, I'm not feeling this one. So uh, it made it a lot easier for me to, to choose Hampton. Um, you know, I, I'm for honest, for honesty, like I chose Hampton not because they gave me the most money, um, not because I cared about the education to be 100% real with you, although it was a great education. I appreciate everything I got from I strictly chose Hampton because I was infatuated by the caliber of women that were on campus. And in my mind, I said, listen, I, I got 13 options to find someone for me. I'm going to go here. Oh, man. That's awesome. So did you always know that you wanted to get into broadcast journalism and sports? Um, when did your love for the business start? So for me, I'm one of those kids, and I'm about to date myself. Um, I knew I was going to be involved in sports somehow, some way, since probably about fourth or fifth grade. Um. I still do to this day, and it's a venture, it's a passion of my life that I'm trying to uh, get over that hurdle of being afraid to start it, um, which is I've always wanted to write children's books. When I was in grade school, I always would write children's books, like children's stories, excuse me, in, in grade school. And, you know, I always tested well. I made the National uh, Poet Hall of Fame in, like, first grade. Um, so, like, I've been writing since since a youngin'. Um like most kids, my dream was to play professional basketball. That was my dream. 
Um, I realized rather early that, I, that this it's another level. Like I can play, but like, there's like, yo, I can play. And then it's like, yo, I'm nice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I always tell people the difference between somebody that can play and somebody that's nice is, I ask you, yo, do you miss open shots? If you tell me, yeah, you're not nice because a professional athlete does not, when they're just playing around, I ain't talking about it in a real game, but when they're just playing around with you on myself, they don't miss. Like you, you've seen plenty of cats come to ESPN when we were there, bro. They don't miss. Right? I remember so like, you saying that line. Now I think about it. I remember you saying that with, um, cause when we met, I was, uh, this is right before they took, I feel like we met at the campuses out the uh, hoops outside before they took Probably. down those, before they started re- renovating the cafeteria. Obviously we play more in the uh, gym, but I remember you saying that line. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, I mean, I, I've been blessed and honored to be able to rub shoulders um, with, with tons of great basketball minds, football minds, whatever kind of mind you want to think. Like I, I rub shoulders with them, with, with any type of person. Um, I've been around them all. Uh, you know, like I don't take for granted being able to walk into a gym and see Chauncey Billups, like, you know what I'm saying? Across the joint, I'm like, yo, he just won finals MVP and now he's checking rock with us. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, and not even, not even have to go to that level. Like there was tons of dudes that, that, that came through ESPN during my brief time, my, you know, my little five or six years there that played not just like play ball, but they played D one high level basketball. Mm-hmm. And I watched them play ball and I'm like, he don't miss. He's, but here you go. I I feel confident enough that you put me on any court in America. At, I mean, not at 40, but I'm talking about back in my prime, right? Like any court in America. And I'm like, yo, two things is going to happen. I'm going to get a bucket and I'm going to hold my own. Mm-hmm. I ain't saying I'm about to come out here and drop 30 on nobody, but I'm going to get a bucket because I know how to, I know how to get a bucket and I'm going to hold my own because I'm smart, right? But the difference is, is that you can leave me open. I'm like, I'm a miss. Now, when I'm on, bro, I'm not missing. But that's the difference between me and somebody that got, whether paid, whether it be through a scholarship to play ball or whether it just be overseas or in the NBA. The difference is I'm going to miss. They not going to miss, bro. It's, I mean, it's a reality check. Yeah, it was definitely uh, some good times. We'll get more to that uh, later. But, you know, so you knew from a young age that, you know, you wanted to be in sports and writing about it. Yep. Um, I used to, back before Sports Center was the thing, uh, and my parents loved, loved this about me, I remember distinctly being in fourth, fifth grade. And, um, you know, I was afraid of the dark. Um, and I would go to sleep to ES, to Sports Center, Right. Set my timer, the sports center. Wake up, turn the TV on, sports center's on. Any any girl, girl that I've ever dealt with in my life, they'll like they turn the TV on and they go, Oh my God, I can just tell that you that you was just watching it, right? Like I always was watching Sports Center. Um, I used to have a Super Bowl tape back, probably I want to say the last team on there was um the Washington. Hold up, when, when the Bills lost the four. Who was the last? The, the Cowboys, Cowboys was the last one, right? So the last Cowboys-Bills one was the last one on this Super Bowl tape. Dude, when I tell you that, after I would wake up and get my day started, you know, parents, they wanted you to eat your breakfast. And I said, I never really liked eating breakfast. But I would sit down, I would pop in that Super Bowl tape, and I would watch it. I mean, bro, at that time, I could tell you 
Super Bowl one through whatever it was. I can tell you everybody that played, MVPs, who was this, who did that? Like there was nothing I did not know. So like my love for sports um, has just, it's always been there. Like to me, I mean, taking 2020 out of it and all the, the craziness is going and realizing as a, as a more mature individual how less important certain things are, there was nothing more important to me than sports. I mean, like I planned, hell, when I got married on my honeymoon, I mean, like I, I coordinated with, with my wife at the time, like, yo, look, um, I got a fancy football lineup. Like, I just like, you know what I mean? Like, I ain't trying to be rude, but like, yo, babe, like give me like 30 minutes. Like I got to lock in, I got to make sure now, granted, I mean, you know, that was that was a distracting year for me. We were planning for a wedding and all that type of stuff. So I sucked that year in <laughs> fantasy. But like my love for sports, it, I mean, it's real, man. Like th there's nothing I enjoy more in life than um going to a going to a sporting event, being an event, man. And and when you get the opportunity to 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 travel like you have, um, go see this game, go see that game. Um, it it does something to you because, like, you know. Like I, you know, and I, I know, I know, I'm long-winded at times. No, but this, this is about you, bro. I, I remember, um, I was my my craziest year, um, covering anything was, um, I did, I was at the, I call it the Beyonce Super Bowl, the one with Cam and 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 um um Peyton played right. First of all, that was a terrible game. I lost a lot of respect for Cam, and then I, I, I always, I just hate Peyton Manning, man. I, I'm a Florida Gator fan, so I never like Peyton. He's oh man, see, I, I, I feel that way about Brady. Oh, see, oh, so you know what's, you know what's raw. So you know me, I'm, I'm a diehard Eagles fan, right? right. Like I bleed green. I do, I, yo, know, I got this soft spot in my heart for Tom Brady, man. Oh, so <laughs> like, 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 yo, like, yo, like, he's the goat to me, right? Like, he's the mm -hmm. best to ever do it. Um, it's always somebody's I, always on one. It's always you either love Brady and hate no or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, there's no in between, man. But um, so I remember that. So that particularly, I was at that Super Bowl, and uh, I was I had about a month. I got I, I had a month or maybe a little less than a month on the road because you know Super Bowl week, Super Bowl coverage week type thing is two weeks. It's not a week. It's two weeks for people that's in the media and all that stuff. So I was out there for two weeks. I came home for about 48 hours, maybe 72. And then I flew right back out and I had to go to Toronto um, for All-Star Weekend. Um, so- Jeez, you was rolling. Uh, yeah, I was rolling, bro. But I mean, I, I, I so I remember distinctly, um, I did two things during Super Bowl week that uh, made me realize how big of a moment this was for me, right? As a kid, like I told you a couple minutes ago, as a kid that sat there, watched Super Bowl, could tell you everything about it. Um, I FaceTimed my parents while I was on the field, pre-gaming. So, you know, my parents are like struggling. They're like, oh my God. So I'm like, I'm standing next to Usher. I look to my other side, it's like Mark Wahlberg. Behind me, it's like, I see all the yellow jackets come out. So it's like the Jim Browns and all these dudes. And I'm looking like, yo, and not to steal LeBron's line, but I'm like, yo, I'm just a kid from Southwest Philadelphia, right? Like truth be told, I'm I'm really not supposed to be here right now, right? And not because every all my friends got killed or anything like that. Now that's not my story. But every person I grew up with from my neighborhood, nobody finished college, right? Nobody is doing anything. And this is no shot at them but nobody's doing anything 
that when we was little kids, we sat down and we said what we were going to become. Nobody was doing it. But here I am at this moment. I'm not playing, but I'm doing what I said I was going to do. And I watched my parents cry. Um, I called my, at that time, my fiance. I put her on the phone. I'm letting her see it. I let them watch the Beyonce Super Bowl John like like live, like not on the, you know, and I'm just sitting and I'm just going through the moments, dude. And I'm like, why like I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So uh this thing, this sport thing is 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 real for me, man. It, it's it's not just it's not just cool. Like this is my life. Like I I genuinely love it. And mind you, for folks who may not be keeping up, we're talking Super Bowl 50. The yeah. the anniversary, a special one, and and I think for me, I know you said you lost respect for Cam. I was I wanted that one so bad. Now I'm a Peyton Manning fan, but I wanted to see a black quarterback win that one. Um, but you know, I can I can um, relate to that moment. The way you watch football and sports, so I I didn't get into sports really till I was about eight or nine. Or maybe okay. seven, eight, or nine. My thing was wrestling from day one. My mother will tell you, <laughs> I'm a yo. Look, I'm not you with wrestling, but mm-hmm. I got a guy, and I've actually, I, I actually put him onto your wrestling podcast. Oh, he I appreciate already knew about that. your pod. I he already knew about because you like your 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 pod is up there in the wrestling community, bro. So I took oh, my man, cat. I appreciate you. My, that. My man is a diehard, and I tell you that I used to. We, I, I, I'm the way everybody goes to houses for fights. Uh-huh. That was that was me as a kid for wrestling, right? Okay. And I'll tell you that the greatest thing that I ever saw as a wrestling fan was the first pay-per-view t- uh, TLC, Hardy Boys, um, Dudley Boys, um, Hardy Brothers, Dudley Boys. I'm not know, is it Dudley Brothers or Dudley the Boys? The Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys Hardy and Edge Bo- and Christian. Edge and Christian, bruh. <laughs> SummerSlam 2000. Oh my gosh, yo. <laughs> Dude, like, I, now, now mind you, I'm 20 at the time, 2000, I'm 20. I'm still into it. Mm-hmm. I fell off on wrestling when it got, um, was when they, it when attitude they, error? Uh, not, not even that, when they merged the WCW. A lot WWE, of people did. And it, it, it became too much. One thing I did not like about the WCW, like back then, there was way too many belts for my life. Okay. So WWE was perfect. It was just the heavyweight, intercontinental, um, uh, 24-7 belt or the hardcore belt, excuse me, and the tag team belts. That's mm-hmm. basically it. And then, you know, WCW had like, the, they had like TV champ, USA <laughs> champ. And I'm like, man, you know what I'm saying? But, um, well, so I, hindsight I, 2020, if they like, they know they messed up with that invasion angle and lost a lot of fans, but really it was two things, not having Goldberg, the NWO, well, which you know, Hogan Hall and Nash, not and Sting, not having their contracts, so they had to use the B plus players. That's like, you know, them, you know, baseball and basketball merging, and they say, oh, yeah. well, we, we can only take the minor league players. We can't get Mookie Betts in the NBA or something. And that's when they realized, like, man, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, they would have just kept it separate. Still, even though they own both of them, because really they only bought it because they wanted the library so they could sell more DVDs, <laughs> you know. But my, like my mother said, I, she knew I was going to be a boy when she was pregnant with me because I was always kicking every time wrestler came on. And so like my moment like that was when I went to my first WrestleMania in 2012, just being down there. And I'm like, 
wow, like, I can't believe it, you know? And, you know, like the Super Bowl was obviously a gold Super Bowl World Series NBA Finals. Yeah, you know, I want to go to one of those events, you know, but like hearing your story, man, is amazing. To be, you know, being able, and the thing is being able to FaceTime your parents while yeah. you're on the field. And, you yeah. know, because, and you know, now as parents, you work so hard to make sure you give your children opportunities even if you have the world right if you have yeah. the world you want to give your children the whole universe it's like you always want yeah. to do more and being able to do that for them man um you know i can imagine was just amazing um i mean like i said dude like the, the look that was on their face when i did that was was amazing to me um i did the same thing um so i, I was blessed also to be able to cover the nba finals um, I had a I had I had a crazy run at ESPN where I did probably about five NBA All Star games in a row. Um, I did the only thing I did not do at, a, at ESPN was do a World Series. Okay. But I, I covered the Super Bowl. Um, I did Cavs Warriors round one. Um, so I was and, I was in on the social media team at the time. And okay, you, um, BK well, BK was uh, on the social media team for us. Yep, and because it was funny because. He didn't know he was supposed to go from Oakland to Cleveland. I don't know if you knew the story. He didn't know he was supposed nah. to go to Oakland to Cleveland. And uh, okay. Tim Dwyer had went and covered some of it too. And he said, man, dude, just go buy some clothes and expense some clothes. He didn't yeah. realize that he was supposed to do like it consecutive. He thought he was going to come home and then go back out. I, yo, I'll tell you this, dude. That was probably the most draining um, but most fun I've ever had in my life as far as covering the NBA finals. First of all, it was, it was, I mean, it was literally no joke. It was 30 days on the road. Wow. So I, I'm hotel living for 30 days. Now, which department was you in? Um, I was in digital media. So I okay. was doing, um, all like the, um, the true hoop TVs and all that type of stuff, working with like my man, Amin, um, who stole the ESPN, Tom Havisher, who's now with NBC Sports. Um, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, because he was the Warriors guy. So like we were doing pre and post game content for digital media. Um, so like we got out there probably a week before game one, or maybe even shoot, bro, maybe even like a week and a half before game one. Honestly, and that's okay. To this day, right? I don't know why we were out there that long, <laughs> right? But like you know, soon as as soon as the the Western Conference Finals and Eastern Conference Finals ended. Like, I mean, if it ended on Friday, I was in Oakland on Saturday, right? Oh, okay. Um, and, I mean, it was a lot of, like, like you talking about expensing. Like, that's when you realize, like, you know, what's money to us ain't money to these corporations. Because, I mean, I'm paying. So, like, all right, it's the way it worked with the travel was is the only, only thing that was guaranteed, as you know, is games one through four. Mm -hmm. so you go out there you buy your ticket for game one I mean you buy your flight to get you out there for game one and then you buy your ticket literally for the next day after game two to get you to game three but is it you know there was there was a good two three day window in between these games like the NBA back I mean I don't I, I really don't pay attention to, to it anymore because I don't travel but like it was I mean I mean bro you would play game one on Monday they might play on Wednesday or Thursday but then Game three, depending on when game two was, would either be that Sunday or like that following Tuesday, right? Mm -hmm. And and this this particular series went six. So you know, after game four or game three, 
whenever no it actually would be game two because they lost so now i'm buying my new ticket so you know you go on the joint you buy your ticket and I, uh you know that ticket wasn't that bad but i want to say um cabs were up cabs were down three one at that point right didn't they have a, was they have, did they ever try trail three one okay yeah they, they were down three one they might have let's just say they were down three one right so at this one time i don't have a ticket to get to Cleveland yet, a plane ticket. I don't have a hotel or anything for Cleveland. So the game's over, right? Because it was a close game. Game, whatever it was, I guess it would have been game five was close. So mm-hmm. game five was close. And all you see is all the media people on the jump, on, on with their, on with whatever their, their trial people booking flights. And I remember distinctly saying, all right, I need a flight. And lady said, all right, um, this flight is $800. Okay charge that thing it ain't my money you wow. know what i mean so you know it was cool you know what i mean i i appreciated everything that i that i got from it man and um i wouldn't change that 30 days in a row and not not to mention the diem mm-hmm. you know what i mean and all the <laughs> overtime I, I racked up you know that was that was that was a good year for me yeah and, and that's the thing that uh i haven't had anybody on the show talk about so i'm glad you brought that up is the fact that having that travel agent sitting up there trying to figure out okay who's you know this game is over but how are we gonna get that situated do you have any like is it and is that the thing about when you all right let's just say there's neither one of your teams right you don't care about neither team no let's switch it up let's say it's the uh sixers and it's the um the sixers and the warriors in the finals and it's two two you find yourself rooting harder for the Sixers to go ahead and close it out sooner than hoping for that game seven. Um, sorry, you you hit home with with saying that being <laughs> the Sixers, right? Because if it's the Sixers, man, I mean, um, I, you know, obviously you want it over in four, but like, you know, like a lot of people don't understand as far as media people and working in sports, you don't like overtime. Nope. <laughs> nope. And, and, and like I felt for when 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 I saw this year's finals when Danny Green missed the shot. Now you know I'm a Laker fan. I see yeah, Danny I Green miss the shot. I felt for all the media people who had booked their flights. I remember Marcus Spears was like, "Man, people got to recancel flights." And especially they've been in a bubble. A bubble. I can, yo. First of all, tip my cap to them because I can't imagine it was hard enough for me being away from reality for thirty days. I mean, this was, that was like two, three months they were in this bubble. I can't imagine that, man. I, I like, I, I mean, I listen. I mean, I would have did it because I mean, mm-hmm. that's the nature of what we do, right? Right? You know, it's you know, it's just like these. You know, I compare being not to, not the athletic part of it, but like we're athletes to a degree. The media people, right? Like, mm-hmm. like people don't realize, like. Yo, they don't flights. It's draining. Like it sounds dope. Oh, yo, you here and there. And don't get me wrong, it's dope. But that road life is different, dude. Like, yo, you're by yourself, right? Like, like you, you ain't got nothing but a hotel room. And the hotel room was cool when you there for a weekend or a week. Mm-hmm. But when you in this hotel room and it's a week, two weeks, three weeks, and now you in another hotel room for another week, two weeks, three weeks, and it's just like, damn, like how much, how much. I, Ugh, I can't take any more room service. Like I just want like regular food. Like I don't want the hotel burger and fries. Like I want the burger and fries that 
I make on the Foreman Grill at home. I want the Bubble Burger, not like, <laughs> not this thirty dollars. But I mean, I ain't paying for it. Yeah. Oh, that made look that a little tip for anybody that travels. I'm telling you right now, save your padilla. Eat the food that's at these arenas. Eat the media food, bro. Save your per diem because they feed you like kings in the, at, at, at these major events. Maybe not game 33 of the season when you're covering Bucks versus Warriors, but I'm telling you, Bucks versus Warriors in the finals, please eat that food, man. It's way better than anything you could ever eat. It's, it's way better and you save all your money. You know, I wish they uh, did that at medical conferences. Um, when I go there and like you brought up the fact on trying to make sure you know missing your food eating um just eating like restaurant food or all the time and and i went last year i had a run where i had to go to atlanta for seven days and Mm -hmm. part of it we couldn't even get into the conference till two days later i thought it was starting on third uh friday and it really started on Sunday. So we were just there, me and my manager. So, but you know, it's like, okay, it's Atlanta. You go searching, you know, we went to a yeah. game, hung out in the park. But then by that time, Wednesday got there when we was time to go home. I was like, man, I'm ready to go home. Then come home for two days, then go to yep. Philly for another yep. conference. And you sitting there like, I just want a home cooked meal. I want to smell the kitchen. Like it's cool to check out the cities. And stuff, but you just want to, you want that real food. So I can, 30 days, man, my hat's off to you, bro. Right. Uh, hotel beds is cool, but it's nothing like home base. It's not now, like did you know base. anybody when you was in these cities? Did you know anybody that you could like link up with who was like from the area? Um, so, um, so that particular finals trip, no. Fortunately, I traveled with a good, fan, a good base of kid people. I did have a homie in Cleveland that I linked up with that went to college with me. Um, but like San Fran, no. When I went down there for the Super Bowl, nah. Toronto, nope. Um, I did I did like four Mayweather fights. Um, I did Mayweather Canelo. Um, no, I don't know anybody in Vegas. But like, fortunately for me, which is why I love my people, I love my people. Fortunately for me, all the events I did were events my people traveled to. Okay. So like, I may not have traveled, like some friends, I go to Vegas. Um, I may not know anybody, but next thing you know, I look on, you know, Instagram popping at that time. This is the hype. This is when Instagram's first coming on the scene and everybody's really getting into it. I go on Instagram and I see such and such is here. Such and I'm like, oh, all right, let's, let's you know, I mean, this is dope. Like there was a uh, Mayweather Canelo. Um, I had, it was the best time I ever had in my life as far as on some quick travel, John. I got there on probably Thursday night and I love doing West Coast events because it's on East they still showing it on East Coast time, mm-hmm. but you know, you you on the East Coast, a a, a, a championship fight, mm, that thing might end at midnight, yeah. one in the morning. So like when I'm in New York, and if I'm covering, like I did Broner, Adrian Verner versus Zab Judah, right? So um, I do that, John, and fight ends at twelve thirty at night. The fight ends. So now, but now I got to do my post game interviews. I got to get this stuff posted. And oh, by the way, you you know how it is. You know how the grind is. I don't got to do that. I got to be back in Bristol to do a 10 a.m. shift the next day because the, the grind don't stop, right? But when mm. I'm in Vegas, you know, the fight ends at like 9 o'clock daytime, 
right? I got time. I'm I, 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 I'm different afterwards. I'm not I'm not trying to speed through these interviews. Like I'm like, oh yeah, take your time. Oh, we can do another take. You know what I mean? I'm covering yeah. all the press conferences or whatever. But um, I uh, there was one particular trip where um, my man, uh, you 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 know Marcus, this with the undefeated. Um, yeah. Marcus Matthews. Yeah, yeah, Marcus. Uh, yeah, I'm on so, the social team with him. Okay, so my man. Him and his peoples came out for the for the fight. We grabbed, they grabbed a cabana at some place on Sunday night after the fight. And this particular night, this particular day, the Eagles were playing the Chargers, and the Chargers were the local team. So, dude, you couldn't tell me nothing, man. I, I just covered a dope Mayweather fight. And the next day I'm sitting in the cabana. I got my drink in my hand. I got the swim, I got like some J's on swim trunks. And like I'm watching in a cabana, my favorite team in all the world play on television, and I don't have to like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, so yes, I don't really know people when I go on the road, but because I love my people, and my people travel. I know people when we go on the road, so it, it's always worked out for me. Yeah, and, and you know that's the cool part because actually that's how we met was um. You, it was um, shout out to Lucas when y'all was rooming together. I believe mm-hmm. I came over. We had there was like this big barbecue that the lady who did sales QC had did, and I remember it was like during the playoffs because that night the um, Tigers was playing the um, the Red Sox. It was the night Toy Hunter fell over the uh, yes. <laughs> fell over the thing, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know I go over there and you. Everybody just like over this, like you say, I ain't go to college. I mean, I ain't go away to college. I went to Morgan. So I lived at home. So ESPN was like college for me. Like, so when LeBron said what he said, I, it resonated with me. So like, and I remember y'all was just like, yo, welcome. Welcome up here. You need anything? We got you. Let us know. You know, and mm-hmm. that's the thing, like you said about our people just, you know, and even though like, you know, for those who don't know, like Lucas is a white boy and a couple other white boys was there, but it was still creating that like brotherhood where everybody just come together. Um, we, we got into the ESPN stories, but how did the opportunity come about for you? Um, when did you get there? So I used to work at NBC Sports back before NBC Sports became NBC Sports. When I was at NBCSports.com, it was six people working there within like the entire NBC sports, like NBC sports.com was literally six people. I was one of the six. Oh, wow. NBC had, um, this was Larry Fitzgerald. This is Larry Fitzgerald. Cardinal Steelers, Super Bowl. Um, uh, James Harrison's uh, 99 yard touchdown return. See, that's a soft right? spot. Cause that's when Ryan. Yeah, I know. I know. We, 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 ain't got, we, ain't, we ain't got to go there. Um, and I got to tell him about that too. So that was pretty cool. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's I told dope. him he scared me. Like I said, look, you, my favorite analyst, that's a former player, but you play for all the wrong teams, Washington, New York, and the Steelers. Yeah, that's a scary man too, bro. Uh-huh. Um, but um, so like the final, the, the game ended and I got probably let go probably like a week later, right? Like, I mean, the writing was on the wall. We, we knew what it was. We could tell, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you in the, when you're in the business, bro, like you... You feel the tension in the air when it's about to go down, right? Yep. <laughs> um, so maybe I started substitute teaching when I got back. And um, I got a job at this company called The Sports Network. And it was a dude there that kind of got me writing, my, doing my own website thing, right? So um, substitute teaching, I'm doing that. And there was a guy by the name of G. Cobb, Gary Cobb, former Eagle. Um, 
and I was substitute teaching. He walks into school and it's career day. And I don't, I'm not one to walk up to people. Like that's not me. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, God is, God is awesome because there was something that happened that particular day that made God talk to me in a way where God was like, yo, step out your comfort zone, go wow. talk to him. So I go up to Gary Cobb and I go, hey, Mr. Cobb, um, you know, John Gervais, I write. I would love to write for your website. The man says, here's my card, give me a call. So fast forward, I'm now writing for Gary Cobb. I'm covering Sixers games. You know, I'm at Eagles practice overnight. I'm just everywhere, dude. Like I'm everywhere locally. Living the dream. And living, li- living my local dream, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, there was a man by the name of, um, with NABJ, his name is Sherlin, Sherlin Christie, or Sherlin Christie, right? Out of Atlantic City. He would always send like job postings at, um, all throughout the country. Like, hey, if anybody's looking for this, anybody's looking for that. So one particular day he sent a job posting for ESPN. I responded back to him with something I don't normally do. I responded back to him. I said, hey, I would love to write for them. Here are some examples of my work. So he goes, I can't get you, I can't guarantee you a writing job, but what I can do is I can put you in contact with somebody who's on the video side. Um, her name was Sharita Johnson, right? And Sharita is a, a mentor to me. Um, I still keep in contact with her today. I love her to death. Um, they fly me out to ESPN, right? Like, you know, here you go. This is you feel like an athlete guy. Fly out to ESPN. They got the car. They got my own rental car waiting for me there. When I get there, I drive there, and then I go on the tour. Right. I go on, I go on the run. Right. No, I'm sorry. The car wash, wash. <laughs> car wash. Right. So I interview with this person. I interview with that person. I go to lunch. I interview with this person. I interview with this one. Now, mind you, I touch down. It's probably like 9 a.m. I'm not flying back that night till probably about 730 at night. So that whole entire day I'm interviewing. So I go through the interviews. Boom. I, you know, Obviously, I do well. Right. Sharita calls me to maybe two days later, offers me the job. Now, this time, I don't want to go to Connecticut. I don't. I'm like, I don't want to go to Bristol, Connecticut. I can't go to Bristol, Connecticut. So I told her, I was like, hey, can you give me 72 hours? I need to think. And she said, cool, no problem. She's like, this is the offer. This is how much money. I called her back at the most ridiculous time of night because I knew she wouldn't answer. And I turned down the job. Wow. She called me the next day and she said, first and foremost, as a black female, I need to educate my brother. Never turn down a job on an answering machine. That's a bad look for you. And I said, okay. And she said, second of all, if we're going to fly you out here, do all these things for you, the least you can do is give me an opportunity to counter if you're not comfortable with the offer I made you. So, bro, I've never countered. I don't even, I mean, I know what counter means, but I'm like, counter? Like, what's she talking about? Like, you offer me good money. Like, so she was like, yo, look, this is what I can do for you. So then I sat, I thought on it. I talked to a lot of people. And um, Pusha T came out with a song. Um, I forget the title, but the line in the song was, able to drop it all at the age of 30 and be free to go. And at that point in time, I was turning 30. I let that song rock with me and I said, stop being afraid, man. What's the worst that can happen? You go up there, you fail. Okay, 
We all fail. This is a legit conversation I had with myself. We all fail. What happens if you do well, though? I had no answer. So I said, all right, I'm going to go. So for the first time in my life, I went up there. I was in a place by myself. When I went to college, I was, I traveled, I, I, you know, I had five, I about like four or five people in my hospital went with me. So I had people. I'm an only child. First time by myself in a foreign land. And if anyone doesn't, has never been to Bristol, there's ESPN and like a subway. <laughs> That's pretty much Bristol, Connecticut. Like no disrespect. Now other cities got a little bit, but that is Bristol. Bristol, Connecticut is literally ESPN in in hotel and subway. So oh, you can't forget the uh, the amusement park. That's oh yeah, my bad. Shout the amusement park, bro. I was actually gonna go there this year too, but COVID kind of messed all that. Oh up. I yeah, was planning to go back to GA. Yeah, I was planning to I was planning to, to bump somebody's uh family pass. You know, oh yeah, to go there for for employee. Day. I'm not going unless it's for the employee day, dude. Like, right. I, I only know one way with that 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 amusement park. If I got to go and pay for stuff. I'm like, ah, no, nah, I'm not doing all that. Like, I need, I need the red carpet treatment. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, like, so like, I get out there, and I lived in a hotel for the first um, 30, 60 days. I lived in a hotel. Oh wow. Yeah, because they put me up in a hotel. They put me in a hotel for the first couple months that I was out there. Um, so I found a place, and um, you know, found a place. And then, you know, the rest was history, man. Like I was working obscure hours. I was working 5 p.m. to 3 a.m. Um, by myself. I moved into downtown Hartford thinking I was living in a downtown life, but downtown Hartford ain't nothing. You know what I mean? Down downtown Hartford at that point in time was like a three block radius mm. of bars. And then, but like, it ain't nothing. Like it ain't like a downtown where during the middle of the day you can walk outside and see people. Cause remember, I'm working 5 a.m. 5 p.m. to 3 a.m. So like I'm not home during the, the popping, popping in air quotes for those that can't see air quotes popping <laughs> hours. You know what I mean? Um, but like, you know, it it was it was cool, man. Like I I I found out a lot about myself. I went through some financial hardships, you know what I mean, being on my own. Um, pride getting in the way, not refusing to ask anybody for anything, which I learned later in life is the dumbest thing. Man, if you need help, ask for help, man. Like, don't kill yourself if you if you literally have a hand that can help you. You know what I mean? Don't let your pride get in the way of that crap. Um, but, you know, like, you know, I was there and then, you know, the rest was history, man. Like, I started out working at uh, what they called, the, it was called the locals department, which was ESPN New York, Chicago, Dallas, Boston. And I was covering those events. And then we got absorbed by digital media as a whole. And um, I had a decision to make, was I gonna go with Numbers Never Lie or go on the digital media side? Um, and I was about this close to going to Numbers Never Lie. This close, I mean, got put on board. Shout out to my man, Danny Corrales. Um, he's doing this thing with the jump now, but Danny brought me on board and was like, yo, this is my man. He's the next one at ESPN. And, but I, I chose to go to the digital media side because the vision that I had, what I wanted to do in life, and the most important thing I wanted to do was travel and digital media was presenting me with that option. Wow. Yeah, because, man, that's that's awesome. Now, you talked about uh, moving to Hartford. <laughs> was that always, like, is that, like, a thing there for people, like, once you, you kind of made it, once you go to Hartford? Because I know, I, well, I was only there two years, so I went okay. from one apartment in Bristol, then when my um, me and my wife was dating, 
the six months we got married, she moved up. Then we just moved into a two bedroom that was in the same area. And we had actually thought about moving to Waterbury for a little bit. We also looked in, um, what was the other? Shout out to Aaron for <laughs> Waterbury. It was another middle town. We looked there. Um, I used to get my hair cut out middle town back when I had hair. Oh yeah. So I, I went to yeah. West Hartford. I mean, North the North end of Hartford, I think it was. No, South Hartford. Okay. Shout out to my man, okay. Mark. So, cause for me, my cousin lived in um, Windsor. So I lived with him for three weeks. And the thing he did was he was like, hey man, you need anything? I got you. And he was like, I got you a barber, you, you good. And then he moved after six months. It was like, he moved and then like a month and then my wife came up there. But was that the thing, like try to get to Hartford and then you decided to move back closer to Bristol? Did I lose you? I can hear you, but it switched off your headphones to your um. Yeah, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did. My jaws died. I'm sorry. No, you good. That last part. All right. So, was like for is it for you? Did you move to Hartford and then find your way back to Bristol, or did you kind of just because I know you said realize Hartford was like that? Yeah, yeah. So what I did was I moved to Hartford, um, and um, living on my own at that point in time was financially possible, but I was not enjoying myself. Um, so um, right around the time my lease was was uh, was ending, my man Danny, uh, actually my man Paul, who was Danny's roommate and B Dan's roommate, who was the roommate we had with Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul was moving and he was like, yo, I'm moving. Let me see if my peoples want, will let you move in. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, man. I was like, man, I'm, I'm dying. Like, like, man, I just I just want to come in the house and be able to talk to somebody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was working crazy hours. So, like, I wasn't seeing anybody. So, I was literally going to work and coming home. Um, so, I went from Hartford to Bristol um, to, the, to the crib that you saw me at. Mm-hmm. And then whatever, whatever with that crib. And then I went from there to uh, Hard Hit in New Britain. I remember I that. that. Yeah, that was the last crib I lived in in um in, in Connecticut. It was New Britain. Shout yeah. out to Church Street. <laughs> oh man, those cookouts. Legendary, bro. <laughs> Legendary. Fun times at that crib. Yeah, man. Um, but now when you um when you look back at your time at ESPN, what were some of the highlights? Now, did you yeah, what were some of the highlights that you think? Um, I mean, outside of the stuff I said, like the Super Bowl. Mayweather fights and all those things. Um, one of my one of my biggest highlights at ESPN was um, I was <laughs> I was uh, I got to go back to Hampton and speak to Hampton students um, to represent ESPN for 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 uh, you know to encourage them to, to get into sports and, and, and you know for recruiting purposes. And I told this story about how um, you and you know how it is. Basically, ESPN, away from anyone that's never been there, uh, you have to basically be prepared to be in a commercial at any given second, right? Yep. Like, like first and foremost, you can never fan out. Never fan out when you see anybody because there's a good chance that they're shooting a commercial. And what you can do, and I, as a person who shoots stuff and yourself as well, it sucks when somebody screws up your shoot on some dumb stuff, right? <laughs> so I, I remember specifically 
I'm walking to the cab and shout out to my man, Vinny, who used to be in the cab, made great food. I'm at the pizza bar, right? This is before they did the cab, I'm at the pizza joint, right? I'm mm -hmm. ordering my food, blah, blah, blah. I'm waiting for my food to come to order. I'm ordering actually a personal pizza back when they used to do them joints. Man, so, those were some good pieces. It was good pieces, <laughs> bro. So I'm, I'm ordering my pizza and I look to my left and it's Cam Newton. And I'm like, this is Cam Newton. And my mom, this is Cam Newton. Like, I'm... I'm just a kid from the Southwest, and this is who I thought at the point in time. Like, I was a fan of Cam. Still kind of sort of am, right? Okay. Cam Newton. And then I want to say, maybe I, I walk back, and on my walk back, I walk, you, you remember how the, the field was mm -hmm. on outside of the cab? So you can go left or you go right, and the digital media side was on the right. So I'm going right, and I said, oh, I forgot something. I got to go get a tape from the library. Let me go on the left side. So I go on the left side, I walk past, it's Zeke. Isaiah Thomas, one of the greatest basketball players to ever play basketball, is right next to me. And I'm just like, this is crazy to me. Like, like these are all the people. And then, like, um, my, my last story I would tell you would be, I grew up an Eagles fan. Eric Allen is probably one of my favorite Eagles of all time. In fact, when I did an interview with NABJ for ESPN, um, one of the questions they asked me is name three people in the NFL history that aren't in the Hall of Fame that should be. First person I named, Eric Allen. Eric Allen should be in the Hall of Fame. No reason that you're the number two cornerback for an entire decade in the NFL. No reason you're not number one is because Deion Primetime Sanders is in the league. So you're the number two cornerback and you're not in the Hall of Fame. But that's a conversation for another day, right? So I'm working and I'm doing digital media recaps. And my man, Jim Basketball, knows I'm the biggest ESPN fan. And he goes, yo, let me introduce you to somebody. I look up, it's Eric Allen. Now, Eric Allen is, is one of my favorite <clears throat> athletes of all time. I look up and I go, yo, Eric. First of all, I got the, the stones to call him by his first name. Eric, <laughs> yo, you should be in the Hall of Fame, dude. He's like, nah, man. Nah. I'm like, he's like, you probably never remember me. I said, don't remember you. I said, brother, I was sitting on the couch when you picked off that pass against the New York Jets and handed the ball to Randall Cunningham in the tunnel when he had the crutches. I had a pair of sneakers on that day. My mom bought it. It was the first time I ever wore those sneakers. And I said, Mr. Allen, I'm sorry. I said, Eric, I never wore those sneakers ever again in my life because Randall got injured with them. I'm superstitious. And I threw those sneakers away. They were Bobo's, by the way, too. He just laughed or whatever the case may be. But then I developed a relationship with this human being who I admired for years, man. So like, that was probably like the craziest thing for me there was like my meeting individuals that like, not only did I, that, that like I admired, but like they were greats to me, but for them to treat me as a peer. I mean, the, the, there's, there's some ones that ain't treat you like peers, right? We had, there's plenty of ones that were just <laughs> It would sit there on their phone and text away and act like you're not even there. Yep. But the ones that took the time, bro, like one time uh, Jeezy came up to the studio, shout out to my man, Steve, Steve Morrison. Yeah. He, you know, he would always plug me. So, you know, Jeezy came to the studio and then Jeezy was like, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Snowman. This is, this is Snowman. This is like one of my favorite rappers. And he's sitting, he's talking to me and he's asking me my thoughts on sports. Fab did the same thing. I'm doing stuff with Fab, bruh. And Fab, you know, he's like, oh, what you think about the Knicks this year? And I had to turn my head like, you talking to me? Bruh, you Fab. Like, I used to copy your mixtapes when I was in high school. 
-hmm. and you you sitting up here and, and just 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 acknowledging my presence and making me feel as though not that i'm on your level but like you're not trying to poo poo me Mm-hmm. you know what I mean like it was those moments man like those are the craziest moments that I take from being in in that place man and and there's really nothing like it man like it, whether you had whether you enjoyed your time at ESPN or you did not that's that's everyone's everyone's experience is different but the one thing I say man the, the context and the connections and the power of them four letters hold and the reaction that anybody's face would would show you when you say, "Oh yeah, I work at ESPN," bro, you could be the janitor at ESPN. You say you work at ESPN, everybody gets out your way and just be like, "Oh my God, you work at ESPN." Yep, you're right. Uh, I've had a lot of friends who that's where they where they'll put me over amongst their other friends. Oh yeah, this is my man Brian, he worked at ESPN, and I'd be like. Yeah, you know, and I remember when I went into uh, wrestling, my first day, like my first time back at home, and I went to work for this wrestling organization outside of Philly, my man Blake goes, this Brian, he worked at ESPN, and he interviewed Brock Lesnar. The whole time, I just shot the camera, and that was <laughs> a moment for me. Now, here's the crazy part about that. The night before, Brock was on TV with The yeah. Undertaker, and he had to come to campus to promote SummerSlam. Now, mm-hmm. the thing that sucked for me was I left just when they started, they got that deal they had with the WWE. And yep. Coach Hennett, he told me, I I was doing a um, thing for uh, Instagram. And it was like the Royals had a bunch of players leading the All-Star game. So I wrote this script for him. He read it. It was like a voiceover, a little Instagram video. And... Coach was like, I said, hey, man, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, I grew up. I, I said, I usually don't do this, but I've been a fan. I did that with him and Grissom. I told him, like, I was a wrestler fan. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. you're a wrestler fan? Stay tuned. I said, oh, yeah, he's working on some stuff. That's it. He just left it at that. I leave. And the crazy thing that drives me crazy when I think about it, uh, Steve Brayman told me, I put in my notice like that. Let's just say I put it in that Friday. That next day or two, that Monday, he said, dude, I was going to send you to SummerSlam. <laughs> I was like, you know, because I was at that oh. time, I was like the only person hadn't who hadn't traveled with social yeah. media. And I was going to get sent to the women's parade when they won the gold medal, but they okay. wasn't giving us the access. So they was like, man, I'm sorry. I said, look, it happened. So cool. I mean, I got to go to the barbershop with Baron um, and um, okay. That time they did the little thing when uh, it was the matter of fact, you was in Oakland because it was the day after game one for the uh, NBA finals that year, uh, the first Cavs Warriors series. Okay. You know? But um, I got to ask you, so why did you leave? Huh. Um, I left ESPN because I bet on myself to be real with you. Um, I had gotten to a point where I started to notice that the things that I wanted to do were not being what I was allowed to do anymore. Um, you tell us, you you tell a story about SummerSlam. My story is sneakers. Anyone who knows me, ESPN knows that I was pumping sneakers at ESPN for years, pumping it. Um, I did a um, internet show um, called um, uh, "From the Ground Up" with with with, with legendary sneaker personality 
respecting the game Scoop Jackson, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Scoop's my guy. To this day, Scoop and I keep in contact, whatever. Um, Nike would come to ESPN. Nike asked to speak to me when they came to ESPN. Not the other way around. Nike asked to speak to me when they came to ESPN. I'm in the conference room upstairs on the first floor of building four and I'm sitting in this Nike execs and I'm sitting in this just little old me from Southwest Philadelphia who just has a dream and a vision of sneakers. I started to realize that what I wanted to do, they were not going to let me do. Mm -hmm. um, so it became a struggle. And then I started to be a not so great employee anymore because I'm six years in. I was like a girlfriend who, who's been with you for six years and you just keep telling them you're gonna, you gonna marry them. Well, by year six, dude, I'm not listening to this anymore. Either you're gonna put the ring on it or you're not. And um, I presented people um, at the company with some ideas, um, met with people from social, met with people from my department, met from people from the basketball department, met with people from all types of departments. And everyone kind of gave me the, all right, we'll think about it. Well, the we'll think about it turned into me not giving a bleep anymore. And um, I um, wanted to be closer to my family here. Um, and I just decided one day that enough was enough. I'm a bet on myself. Um, I left ESPN and December, my last day at ESPN was December 20th, 2016. Right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. I wanted to make the bonus. That's really all I wanted to do. Um, I by, love it. Yeah, by February 1st, 2017, I was hired at Complex, making double what I was making at ESPN and giving three times the responsibility that I, that I was supposed to do. And um, a month later, after I got hired at Complex, I wake up one morning and my phone is jumping. Like to the point where I'm, I'm nervous. I'm thinking something happened to somebody. Mm -hmm. It's probably about 30 to 40 people sending me an article of the front page of ESPN.com. And it's a sneaker story. It's a sneaker story. And um, some of the people that hit me were employees. And all the text said is, I'm sorry. And by them telling me those words, dude, it made me realize I wasn't crazy, mm -hmm. right? Like clearly, and if anyone follows ESPN now, sneakers are all over the thing, dude. That's all that mean. Like they come out with articles, they got videos, they, they got live coverage, what this person wore this day, what's LeBron about to rock, like all that stuff's happening. And I'm not saying I'm the person because there's other integral parts, but I can tell you right now, all those people that's gonna tell you they they people, this is their idea. Can't one of those people tell you that they didn't have a conversation with me before this stuff happened? Hmm. Wow, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. That it, it it sucks, but it seems like with us as yep. black people, we always being told and we, we call it in the wrestling world, we call it the dusty. Uh, you may have heard when Stone Cold Steve Austin went on his like ECW rant, like 
for mm-hmm. briefly. And he said, I had this idea and he wanted to work with Hulk Hogan when he was in WCW and Dusty Rose said, no, nah, no, nah, Steve, that's for somebody else. No, nah, baby, that's for somebody else. We'll keep it right where you're at. And, and yep. essentially you got the Dusty and it, it's frustrating. And it's, it's one of those things, man, you see so many people. It, it, and like you said, grateful for the times, opportunities, lifelong friendships because of it you know you and i sitting here talking and you know i've been gone for since 2015 so five years but lifelong friendships because of it but the system there is jacked up because it is a man who's ingrained in the culture who's educated and they always say uh, uh, the scariest thing is an educated black man who's educated and and who can relate it's a reason nike wanted to talk to you yep as opposed to somebody else. Yep. And I didn't, you know, not to sound like the bitter person thing, because I'm not, right? I did my research. Like I don't want any, like I didn't come to to the to the higher ups with some half-ass idea, with some mm-hmm. half-ass plan. That wasn't it, dude. I did my research. Um, I I was like, um, I got connects with this. I mean, anyone who follows sneakers can tell you DJ Clark Kent is legendary in the sneaker game. So my, I, I made sure that my sneaker show that I did with Scoop, we hit the legends. I had Clark Kent on it. Um, I had the owner of StockX before StockX was StockX on the show. I had my man, George Kill, who was representing Nice Kicks, who was the biggest sneaker interviewer type influencer boy in the game. I had him on the show. I mean, I had it all, right? I mean, we even did something. I, now, Kevin Hart was another show we did. That was a car wash. But you get my point. Like, I'm I'm, I'm tapping into the culture. I mean, anyone finds I had Mayor on the show, who's legendary in the game. Um, I was supposed to have Iguodala on the show because he had some stuff coming out. Um, we had did some stuff with D-Wade. We had, like, we did it. And the love wasn't there for me, man. So, you know, I had to make an executive decision for myself. And I said, I'm going to roll the dice on me. And I left on, if I left on a Monday, my phone was jumping on Tuesday when everybody called me. I mean, all the people from social scoop calling me, um, NBA, all the NBA writers calling me, right? Cause like, these are my guys, like they know it. And like <laughs> the crazy thing is dude, and I, I declined it. They did that 50 greatest sneaker, John or something like that. Like right not too long after I left, they called me and asked me to, to like give like you know give a give some like info or whatever. I was just like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean, like y'all not about to. That ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I appreciate the offer. You my man. I appreciate you, but I hope you can understand why I gotta respectfully decline um, this interview and and, and and you know and that stuff, man. So I mean, it, it's it's all good. It it, it definitely worked out. Um, I would not trade any experience. I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about the business with just me trying to bring um, something. And I'm not saying that I would never, ever, ever go back because you like, you, like you'll know this phrase, the best way to get what you want at that company is to, is to leave and come back and demand what you need, right? And that's, that, that's advice I'll give anybody starting out in any business, right? Your most effective time before where you can demand or control the scenario of what your 
life, what this company is about to be is before you agree to terms because they want you. So you can, you can dictate the narrative. You can say, hey, I need this. I want to do this. I want to do that. Once you sign on that dotted line and you are now an employee of that company and you are nothing more than like, and you ain't out here on your Stephen A and you just a regular employee like yourself and myself, like we were regular employees, you got no leverage after you sign on that dotted line. So, you know, I, I listen, man, I, I mean, I, I, I talk to people all the time. I would have no problem going back on the right terms. No problem going back to, to do what I want to do. Like, I can't go back and do the old stuff. Like, I got to come back and be like, yo, I'm doing sneaker content, sneaker content only. I'm traveling for sneakers. I'm going to this event. I'm going to that event. And if it ain't that, I ain't doing it. There you go, man. There you go. How was the com- how was the time at Complex? Complex was dope, man. Um, mm-hmm. It was it, it was uh, it was a little different. Um, Complex name doesn't ring bells. As crazy as that sounds, like ESPN's does. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I had I had a ball, man. I was able to uh, produce and uh, direct. I got an opportunity to be a director at Complex, so that was a lot of fun for me. Um, and I got an opportunity to, to manage the department, which is something I never actually wanted to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I always joke with people like, like, I'm like, people are like, oh, let's do a radio show. Cool. I don't need to be, uh, Russ Parr or, 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 or whoever insert the, the, the A act. I'm cool with being the B because when the B get paid, not maybe not as much day, but the B get paid and the B is not who everybody come after for when the A does some stupid shit, excuse me, stupid stuff. My God, you good. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Steve Harvey's more in a show. They coming for Steve Harvey. They not coming for Cousin Tommy. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm cool with being Cousin Tommy. You know what I mean? Like, um, so Complex was dope. Like I got opportunity, I worked with Fat Joe in Complex. Um, I got opportunity to work with Bun B at Complex. That was love. Um, I got an opportunity to wear a championship ring at Complex because somehow, some way, after the Cavs chipped up, somehow, some way, a, a, a real championship ring was at Complex. Don't ask me how, but I took a picture with it. I had it on, and I was like, it's crazy. It was it was about, bro, I mean, it was probably about two of my fingers that big oh, of a wow. ring. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. like, I was – so Complex was fun. Um, I just didn't stay long at Complex because I was a contracted employee that came in to do um, a sponsorship with a company and the sponsorship ran out. Okay. You know what I mean? So it was just the name of the game for me. You know what I mean? Sponsorship ran out. Um, but again, um, one of the, you know, um, I got that job because of a connection I made at Hampton with one of my homegirls that was a head of HR there. And um one line, you know, not to go off, but Drake's, uh, what was that song Drake had? No New Friends. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's listening, let me just tell you something. That's the dumbest thing that anyone can tell you. No new friends, no new friends. No, make new friends, man. Make new friends because new friends are connections. New friends are, are people that buy property. New friends are people that end up becoming CEOs of companies or head of this department, head of this department. New friends are what gets you to the next level. Old friends are what has you coming home and doing the same things you did when you were a kid. The people that you grew up with that are doing the same things, those are your old friends. Don't get rid of them because they're there for a reason. 
But if I don't have new friends, I don't meet you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then we're not doing this. I'm not building with you. I'm not able to, to be like, yo, look, my man, you know, hey, listen, you know, the Sessions Says Company is looking for um, the next uh, the next great wrestling podcast. <laughs> I know somebody. But if I don't, I don't take the opportunity to really get to know you and become a friend, if I listen to that song, you know what I mean? So I, 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 whenever anybody asks me anything, man, like I always like to find a way to get that into the mix because I feel like that's the dumbest song out there. It's a dope song, it rolls, but it's dumb. The concept is dumb because you need to make new friends. You need to meet new people. That is how you get by in life. Don't mean you gotta, don't mean everybody gotta get in your circle, mm-hmm. but you gotta meet people, man. Yeah, and you know, and, and people got realized like that's the reason why we in the country in the situation now because trying to relate to somebody that can't relate to you. You know, this man put a, a, a ball cap hat on and hopefully by the time that uh, this comes out, we won't have to, we'll be counting down to the end of the term. Ooh, please, um, Lord, baby <laughs> Jesus. All I ask is that on November th- November 3rd, right? Yeah, November yeah. 3rd, just, oh, Lord, I just asked that, the, the, that everything just go back to semi what it was. Not that uh, what it was was great, but it's better than what it was, what this is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, but he put a ball cap on and all of a sudden, and all the poor people who think the way he do think, oh yeah, he talking like, no, he not. Like Dave Chappelle said. <laughs> he's talking to Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle makes b- buco bucks and that's who we trying to help. He yep. not helping you. <laughs> he he look at you as actually less than us. Mm-hmm. Cause at least we got something to bring to the table, which is why, you know, not to go off on that room, which is why they trying to kill us because mm-hmm. we are, we are the, we are the threat. Exactly. You know what I mean, a, a, a educated black man, a focused black man, and and, and I could I, I don't I don't even want to be uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to be corny and not give the real love because, man, shout out to all the black women in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to the mothers. Shout out to the ones holding it down. Shout out to the ones that are that are that because I mean, dude, I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've seen. And I ain't putting no, you know, I ain't gonna put companies out there or put names out there, but I've seen on my own two eyes how in these rooms women are talked to. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not cool at all. And these are white women that are talked to. And the black women get talked to way crazier. Yep. Way crazier. And anytime they get upset or they get mad, they get labeled, mm-hmm. which is not cool, man. So um, you know. I, we we all we got man and um please vote november 3rd you know i hope after while the times come out you would have voted so hope you vote on november 3rd hope you made the right choice for what <laughs> is best for not just you because it ain't about us right now man because i'm i'm actually working the polls on november 3rd to, to oh, let okay. you know right? that's what's up and I, I felt like it's my duty for my daughter to do that because i'm this ain't 50 years ago when our parents were young and our grandparents were young and they had dogs at the polls but this is about to be damn near close to that and i feel like this election ain't going to impact me but so much because i'm going to have to adjust it's going to impact my daughter more than it's going to impact me i owe it to my daughter to make sure that every single person that wants to go vote whatever reason you want to vote like you're not about to be standing outside the poll i'm at intimidating miss miss bessie or, or or Uncle Cliff from, from going to vote. Nah, I will go outside and walk Miss Bessie in and allow Miss Bessie to make whatever the choice she wanna make because her choice is gonna help my daughter down the line, man. So 
Uh, I know that was all top, but you know, nah, what that's, I mean? I that's just, real talk, yeah, man. man. That's definitely real talk, man. Um, so now you work in a news business, right? Yeah. How how is it? How you like it? It's different. Yeah. Um, I never really was into the news. Okay. You know, I started out in news. I never really was into news. I to this day, I really don't even watch news. It's very depressing. Um, I actually hate when I gotta cut videos for the news because everything everything upsets me. Um, I'm tired of seeing black men killed. I'm tired of seeing people killed. You know what I mean? And the way our country is, is that we lead with death. Mm-hmm. Death is the first thing you ever see. If you go to other countries like Canada, they don't do that. They give you all the positive news first. America gives you all the the, the, the murders, the molestations, the rapes, all that. They give you all that first. And it's just like, oh, and by the way, uh, Amy has a little lemonade stand and it's awesome. And then, you know, and that's like the 30 seconds at the end of the news program, which you probably not even checking for that, Joan, no more. Cause you mm-hmm. probably turned it off after the last weather forecast. Cause truth be told what you need after the last weather forecast, right? You don't care about the feel good puppy story. Right. So like, it's different. Um, how did you manage, especially because you was working <laughs> in the height, um, you know, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Jacob Blake, and now, um, and especially close to you at home, you know, that's why, you know, I was really like checking on you with um, the gentleman, um, Mr. Wallace. Man, um, I'll tell you that it's the it's very upsetting. Um with a lot of these things. I've been in multiple newsrooms. I was in a newsroom when OJ Simpson was about to come out with that book saying, I'm not saying I did it, but if, but if I did it, this is how I would have did it. Oh, you what? was? That book. I, yeah, I was, I was working at Fox, ironically, at the time when they did that. And I was in a room with all white people as mm-hmm. this topic came up. And I sat there and I was just like, damn, this mother, he gotta chill. <laughs> like, damn, like I just wrote for you X amount of years ago, you know, whatever. Um, but it's different now, man, because um, I people are more aware now, it feels like. And the racist things, I went to predominantly white schools all my life outside of Hampton and been around white people my whole entire life, right? So like, I feel like I have a good idea. And I, I go to one of, I went to one of those high schools that when white people that went to that high school find out that I went to that high school, they always hit me with the, oh, you went there. And I'm like, yeah. I went there, no athletic scholarship, straight off the muscle. I went there and I graduated and I and I received this award. I received that award and I went on and I did this and I went and did that. I shouldn't have to tell you all that, but I did, right? So like I, I function in these environments and I'll say that the, 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 the white person that's growing up right now seems to be a little bit more with us, they ain't, they 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 can only be but so much with us, right? Like like you only gonna ride for me but so much until I actually start hurting your pockets, and then it's like, damn, though that was a good cause, but mm, I kind of like my little hundred k I make a year, so I ain't trying to mess that up. But look, you be good. Call me if you need me, type drum, right? Like mm-hmm. I I know what it is in the long run, but like to see people to see them on the front line with us, to see them how it's impacting them, man. Like, like it's, 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 it's crazy to think that it wasn't always like this where people didn't always seem to have that uh, humane side, side to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's, it's dope right now. And it's, 
I would not trade being in the business for anything right now because I feel like my duty as a video editor for a news is to put as many black and brown people on the video as possible in a positive light. So for honesty, when I cut a VO, the first thing I look for are black and brown people. I put them in the front because I know that's going to get seen. I want people to see black and brown people happy. I don't put your auntie on that got the, the slippers and the corn rolls in the air. I don't put her on camera. She will not make my video that I'm editing that night. So if you're watching CBS3 in Philadelphia and you see somebody like that, I did not cut that video. I promise you. You know what I mean? Like, I won't put you on because I feel like that's what they do. They show you that. So it makes it okay for you to go outside like that. It makes it okay for you to go outside and be like, uh, what was my man? Uh, what was that? What was that mean that went around where he was like, uh, oh my God, he had the red do-rag. I know on. exactly uh, what, what, yeah. like, where you gonna find. Um, uh, um, oh my God. <laughs> not the one where my man said, I heard a white woman screaming. Anytime you hear a white woman screaming, like not that bull. Um, oh my God, like I know this. Oh man, what but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, and somebody listening sitting up there yelling it. They yelling yes. it right now. They're like, oh my God, you can't get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting that on my I'm not doing it. I feel like in my job as a black man in this country that wants everyone to just be like, yo, we all the same. Literally. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at man and where man has come from, no matter how you believe the, the start of time happened, whether you believe it the biblical way or whether you believe it the scientific way, no matter how you do it, mm -hmm. we all coming from the same thing. So if you believe the scientific way, we all started from the same uh, species that came out of the water, that developed the walk, and then we went to different parts of the world, and then we did this. And if you believe the biblical way, which I believe, we all coming from Adam and Eve. Yep. We all come from the same God. Why you don't like me? I did nothing to you. All I did was be born with darker skin complexion to you. That's it. And I, I didn't ask to. that. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I, listen, listen, dude. I love it. I wouldn't trade being black for anything in the world. But if you telling me I can get that privilege, like, I, I kind of, I, I would like to. Experience. Do you watch um, Lovecraft County? I've I've started it. I'm like I gotta finish it, but I've I, seen. I hate I hated the show, right? Like I I thought it was trash. <laughs> but like, but there's a there's a part in the show where they give this black woman the opportunity to be a white woman. I remember that. Yeah. I, I'm not now. I'm not saying I want to go that far. Mm -hmm. But like, eh, I wouldn't mind knowing what it's like to to walk in a store and not have to have everybody follow me, or yeah. or my personal favorite, which is for me to be able to go to an airport, watch all these people go and not get pulled to the side and get the hand wand. And then all of a sudden I'm the person. Like, you can't tell me that that's not corny. You know, when uh, shortly after George Floyd died, we had a massive meeting at work and mm -hmm. you know, it was via Zoom, everybody home and you know, they wanted to talk about it. And mind you, my department, let's just say, I would say probably 70-30, right? Mm -hmm. um, and only four black, at the time it was four black guys. Now it's three, because one of them left. I'm, me and the other one who left were the only two black guys under 40. Mm. Maybe even under 50, to be honest with you. And I said, 
on a meeting. I said, look, y'all got to understand this is tough right now. I said, I'm no offense to, I mentioned the older two gentlemen's names and no offense to them, but me and Kent, my man, Kent, I said, we're closer to a George Floyd's age. And y'all, I said, we experience racism right here in the office. I said, sometimes I get on the elevator right there in our office building and people will clench their purse or they see me, won't hold the elevator. And, and you see like people on the, you know, Zoom, they send you the chat. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. Yo, that's right. And then, you know, I got a few emails. Hey, I really appreciate you speaking up, you know, but it's real. And, you know, um, it, I was it listening. It is real, bro. And that's funny to do that to you because I know you. You're like the least harming <laughs> black man in America, right? Like you're not, you're not about to come. Like you are a God-fearing man. You just literally want to take care of your family and have fun and you enjoy wrestling. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. that. Like you're not, you're not like, I, I joke and I, I joke because I find it humorous. I find it hilarious that when I walk down the street, mm -hmm. I see a white lady cross the street. She clench a bag or whatever, like you just said. And I just be like, Yo, if you had any idea, whoever that person that you just went to cross street, no matter how nice they are, they got a much better chance of doing something to you. Cause you know what? I don't want any problems. Mm -hmm. I just want to go home. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's corny. Cause it's like, you're clenching your purse. You're doing all these things because of what society has told you that I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not that. In all actuality, if you look at it, it's your ancestors that were bad. Your ancestors were the ones that did this. Your ancestors were the ones that treated people like this and that and acted like savages, even though they call us savages. Yep. Tell you know me. what I mean? <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't I don't come from a from a from an ancestral background where my, my my ancestors decided that they wanted to make other people work for them in a demeaning manner and treat them like animals. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't come from that. I come from a background of people where we believe in family. We believe in helping each other out, right? I, I'm, I'm Native American, right? Native Americans, they had wars, but Native Americans didn't go to war at first. Mm -hmm. They smoked the peace pipe. They sat around and they smoked the peace pipe and they tried to hash it out. That's where we come from. Our, like, yes, war is something that happened, but like our people, that wasn't our people. Our people got on boats and things like that. Our people fell for things because we trusted people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we were a trusting people. We were a loving people. We were a caring people. Family is everything. That's where we come from. That's our backgrounds. Now, over time, people grow up differently. Things happen. Society happens. Circumstantial things happen to you in life that make you act a certain way. You know what I mean? Because I do believe you're a product of your environment. I do. Yeah. I do believe your environment does dictate a lot of things you go to, but it's not your fault that your environment is like that because people, it's a systematic reason that your environment is like that, which is a whole nother bigger thing, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I didn't ask for that. I, I, don't, I don't believe that Nino Brown asked to be introduced to crack and coke. You know what I mean? Nino Brown probably grew up with his mom, uh, having dressing him in, in on all them Easter outfits and stuff like that, doing his little one-two step for the camera and everything like that. And But then somewhere down the line, something happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether, you know, and then that turns into, turns into this person. Same thing for you and myself, dude. Like, like there was a point in your life without even knowing your background, there's a point in your life where you were faced with the opportunity to do one thing right 
or do it wrong. You decided to do the right thing, which is why you stayed on the path you're on. I could have went down many bad roads, many bad roads. I've gone down some, but like I didn't go down the roads that are like the roads that they say we go down. I didn't go down those roads. I'm just a a 40-year-old, soon to be 40-year-old African-American in America that has a daughter who he's just trying to put in the right position in life so that she doesn't have to go through a third of the bullshit that he went, that I went through. That's mm-hmm. all I'm trying to do, man. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to stop uh, Billy and, and Paul's pop from 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 opening his sporting goods store and and creating generations of sporting goods store for Timmy and Joe and and little Paul. I'm I'm not trying to do that. Hey man, get your money. But I just don't understand why I'm trying to do that over here in the black community, and you got a big problem with that. Exactly. It don't make no sense. It's plenty of money. Like like everybody, it's enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. You ain't got to have it all. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever, man. Like just stay safe out here, man. It's really real. Um, Philadelphia people, please stay safe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and I don't know what's gonna happen after November third. No matter what the outcome is, whatever it is, please be safe and tell everybody that you love them because you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. There you go, man. Wow, Dang, this this was great, man. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. Um, so uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. First name, last name, John J O H N Gervais. Um, I'm a part of the Counted Things Network. Um, we have a podcast that comes out every Tuesday. My particular podcast is called Bomb for Black Opinions Matter. The M stands for Mother Effer. Um, uh, and on Thursdays, I produce a, comes out on Fridays, I produce a show called Growing Up the Same with my man, Trayvon Edwards. Um, we are on all um, all social media platforms, um, all audio platforms, man, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, you name it, we there, man. Just type in B-O-M-M. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a bunch of black people just giving you their thoughts and their opinions and, and trying to talk to you in a way where you'll understand this. That's the thing, man. And you know, we gotta we gotta make sure we you know let people know like we ain't no dummies. <laughs> no, we ain't no dummies. We um we just out here just trying to make it like everybody else. And you know, and shout out to the allies, you know, like you said, there's some some dope allies, and you know, we appreciate them. And it, I, I wonder, I said, man, are we really still suffering for OJ? Cause I I've said yeah, that we are. ESPN put that together, the Made in America piece, and then um, the other people, uh, man, FX put together OJ. Yeah, they put the cute joint, but ESPN gave you the, <laughs> the, the real. And, and I'm oh, I, I know we about to rap, but let me just ask you this: uh, <laughs> that episode when my man was sitting outside and he was talking to his man, and he kind of basically admitted. I remember watching that episode and I said, "Yes, he did that shit." <laughs> And I, I ain't trying to go because then listen, I just I said, man, he did that shit. I was like, damn, I feel bad. You know, I gotta I ask like, you this. You older than me. So I remember the trial because my parents, my mother worked. I was watching her, I was watching the Rockets finals, bro. When it got in, I was mad. I'm like, yo, I'm watching watch the finals. Like yeah. the dream, dream versus the Knicks. What are you doing, yo? Yeah, and, and so like I like I said, I was younger, so I, I hadn't really jumped into sports yet. As a matter of fact, my mother she was um 
she did daycare. So she would mm-hmm. record the trial during the daytime. And then at night she would catch up on it. So it was uh court it was, TV. It felt, that yeah, was the first time court TV came out, bro. Yeah, and it felt forever. But and and I remember like my mother rooting for OJ and my grandmother rooting for OJ. And then I sit back and I'm like, wait a minute. At the time, you know, as a child, you were, I, I, I was. It was How was black you? and white. Yeah. It was that, it was that, it was that cut and dry back then, dude. I remember where I, I remember where I was at during the chase. I remember okay. at the start of the chase. Okay. Not, not, because at the nighttime, I'm in my house watching the, the, trying to watch the finals game. But I can't watch it because it's in the little small corner of my TV, and I'm watching the Bronco sit outside of whatever it was. And they done brought the Bronco back finally. They done brought the Bronco back, bro. <laughs> but um, I remember, I remember where I was at when the um, when the verdict happened, mm-hmm. and I, I'll never forget this moment because I was I was at St. Joe's Prep, ninth grade. This is how major that trial was. They come over the loudspeaker and they let us listen to the verdict live. Whoa! During school. Right. And I remember it saying not guilty or whatever it was like, you know, what I mean, not guilty, whatever. And if there's 20 kids in class, five of us are black. Five kids are celebrating. 15 kids are not celebrating Add another t- add another one because of the white teacher. Wow. It was crazy to me, dude, like. <laughs> Like that was now that I think of it, that was my that was my introduction to realizing, without realizing it then, how split we are as a country. Mm-hmm. Cause it was so black and white then. I'm a black kid and I'm just rooting for this man because he's black and I don't want white people to be, you know what I mean? And white people don't care about the facts. They just want the black man to get joined. Now, fast forward some time, I apologize. I was wrong. I think my man did it. You know what I'm saying? My bad, but that's how we roll. We ride for each other. Mm. Even though this man was straight up trying to tell us, I ain't black, I'm OJ. That was the you thing. You know what I mean? And, and I sit back and look at it, hindsight being 2020. I'm like, why was we rooting for this dude? I remember a lot of people posting on like social media, like how in the world did he get off? And I remember my father kept saying, OJ got off because he had money. I, didn't, I just thought my father was just talking, but- nope. He was real. When I saw how that that my mother said it was the most expensive uh, lawyer t- team, the dream team, the dream dude, team. Like, and I'm saying, yeah. wow. And and now, like you said, hindsight being twenty, so I'm like, man, that dude, guilty. And it seems like ever since then, between Trayvon Martin and all the other countless names, have been paying for it. And it's like, we'll give you OJ back. Let's get justice for these other bruh, people. Bruh, y'all can. Have OJ, please. I didn't shed not one tear when my man went to jail for the Vegas stuff. I just said, "Damn, OJ, you just all you had to do was just chill. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even chill. They was looking for a reason for you to for you to go back. You just gave it to them. But I ain't losing any sleep over that. In fact, when they were saying OJ was coming home, I was like, "Oh, that's what's up." Now I'll tell you this before we go, yo, he's a hell of a follow on Twitter though. <laughs> If you don't follow OJ Simpson on Twitter, you losing out, man. Because yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now, because he he chimes in on everything, and a lot of times you'd be like, "Ooh, OJ, mm, bro, you might want to sit this one out, dude." This is like OJ, OJ, like, yo, look, I didn't came home, I didn't pay my fines for that other thing with the other thing. So now what I'm about to do is I'm about to speak to the people. Okay, 
got it, OJ. I ain't gonna uh, tell you nothing to your face, but I know how you roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You 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 might get take him now. You know. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to find out, bro. <laughs> Long as he got oh. a knife. Yeah. Or or, or gloves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I definitely appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure y'all uh, follow John, man. As you can see, we had a great conversation. So, man, I definitely appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you, bro. You know, anytime, man. And uh, best of luck to you and everything. And and peace, please, 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 people, man. I know the election will be over by the time you hear this. I, you know, I turned 40 this year. I've been asking everybody to vote for my 40th birthday. So since this will come out after that, I, I just ask, man, if it's someone that you love, if it's someone that you care about, if it's someone that you got kind of, uh, we've been beefing over some dumb stuff, squash it, man. We've lost a lot of people. I've lost people to COVID. I know other people have lost people to COVID. I've lost people to dumb stuff. There's people that I've lost that I would love to get an opportunity to, to just tell them I'm sorry or be like, damn, it wasn't that deep. So I just say squash all your beasts, man. Live for today. I mean, I'm sorry, live, live, for, live, live for your children. You know what I mean? And, and just do what you got to do today, man, because tomorrow is not promised. Yeah, man, brother. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. So many nuggets, so much great knowledge coming from John. So make sure you check out his podcast and his content as well. Next week, I bring on... For the first time in the history of breaking through glass ceilings, somebody who is a current colleague of mine, my good friend, Dr. Vanessa McMains. So you may know I've been working in media relations for almost five years. Well, Vanessa's been there well over 10 years. So you get to find out a lot of how things was on my job before i got there as well as how they are now and vanessa comes on to discuss her journey as well as the transition into the way media is done today folks do so right now subscribe to the podcast drop a five star rating thank you so much for tuning in also make sure you do not break hearts but break through glass ceilings this podcast was recorded and edited by B Waters Productions. The music by Hip.